Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. Uh, tonight, we are running a, a familiar game that we've played from Reckoning of the Dead. The scenario is Organism 46B. I'll be the GM, and this is version 3. So, without any further delay, let's begin our journey into the darkness. All right. The four of you have been conscripted by the American government uh, to fly in and assist at an, uh, a drilling rig uh, in Antarctica. It's about 400 miles from the coast. You, uh, you first you fly to Melbourne, then you fly to uh, the name of it? Uh, uh, Casey Station on the edge of Antarctica, and then 400 miles into Camp Lake Carter is what it's been called. The, the new uh, lake that they have found is called Lake Carter. It's 14,800 feet below the surface, uh, twice as deep as any lake that they have found previously. Uh, you are in international uh, territory, uh, so nobody owns this, and you are vaguely aware that the Russians are probably trying to do the same thing. Um, the lake is, uh, the lake was sighted by uh, both satellite and sonar uh, soundings in the ground. And so you guys are going to be at the place to, uh, to explore it. Uh, as your helicopters fly in towards the, uh, uh, towards the camp after miles and miles of uh, nothing but white snow and rocks. Um, what would you guys be talking about as you are flying along there? Uh, go ahead. <laughs> uh, who is it? Who is it we're meeting again? What's her name? Yeah. Ra Ra Rachel, right? David. Rachel. Oh man, this has been just a brutal flight. Yeah, this is this. I don't like being in helicopters. It's hard on my butt. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm just I'm getting so squirmy here. It's pretty it's cool in the helicopter. Yeah. Oh yeah, too. Yeah, that's too uh, chilling. Shackleton, have you worked with this um, Dr. Marcus Baker before? Glaciologist. You know uh, no, I've never had the fortune of working with Dr. Baker. I've, I've seen some papers, but mm. don't know much about him. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard anything. I sort of, uh, were you guys kind of feel a bit rounded up when you got hired to do this? I sort of didn't feel very voluntary about it. Voluntold, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not even an American national, and I was kind of like, what is going on? Ah. <laughs> <sighs> I think they're, I think they're trying to beat the Russians on this, you know, right, rounding up um, people as quickly as they can. The Cold War is over. What, what, what's the, what's, what's the fear? I don't. No, maybe there's UFO or Nazis down there. Oh, God <laughs> no, that's never going to happen. <laughs> well, anyways, 
So yeah. as you as you fly out, you you start flying over the camp. Um, you circle it a couple times. This is more or less the layout. Um, you can see there's the helipad. That's where you're going to land. There is a large tent, uh, mess hall, kitchen, recreation area, sleeping quarters. Uh, there is a separate building for laboratories. There's a machine shop and a latrine. And uh, you can see the rig at the other end of the camp. Um, you can also see that there seems to be some sort of little uh, a fence. Uh, it's really a string of, um, of like large pitons in the ice with cables strung on them so that you can find yourself, you can find your way back and forth um, if there is blizzard conditions or if there's something like that, it could be death to try to wander around outside. You want to be able to get from one building to another without getting lost. Um, the helicopter lands and there are a couple of people who come out to meet you. Um, uh, one of them is a lady, one of them is a man. The, uh, the lady comes out, she's of course dressed all in a parka. Uh, she comes out, she says, uh, um, hi, I'm Rachel Davidson. Uh, welcome. Thank you. Glad to finally be on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I need to stretch. Can I get out of this thing? <laughs> oh. Sure. We'll, we'll get you inside and get you warmed up. Yeah, I want to take a look at the labs too, as soon as I can. Well, let's get your gear inside. So they start un unloading your gear. Um, she tells you it's a, it's a nice day. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> says, it's a little bit, little bit chilly. Uh, <laughs> she says, I've seen worse in Chicago. She says currently it's, excuse me. <clears throat> currently it's about 10 below. Um, not too bad. Which is not too bad. Uh, at night it can go down to 60 below. That's not too good. Okay. Fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, the sun doesn't go down here right now. We are in the middle of summer or summer. It's winter in the north, but it's summer down here. Um, she takes you across the comp uh, across to the um, the big tent. Uh, these are an unusual kind of tent. They're um, made from a specific kind of mylar. Of fabric. Um, it's, it's a lot stiffer than what you'd think of as fabric. Uh, it's designed to be very, um, very tough. You couldn't uh, cut through it with a knife easily? It would to? be very difficult to cut through it with a knife, right? Okay. Um, they're also not, not much. There's a framework inside that keeps it so that there's not any chance of it collapsing. And uh, they're secured uh, heavily in case of wind because for the most part, a lot of Antarctica is pretty flat. Uh, the wind never stops blowing. Uh, it's, uh, it's just, it's not a very pleasant environment. It almost never snows. Uh, it is also okay. one of the driest places on the planet. So Hard to believe, planet. but we're in a desert. Right, you are in a desert. So she takes you inside and uh, you're going in through the mess hall. Uh, once you get inside, it's fairly warm. It's, you know, probably in the, um, the 70s. 
um, which we don't always think of that as warm, but it's warm for compared to outside. Um, there's a full kitchen, uh, mess hall. There's a rec room. Uh, they have uh, a couple of pinball machines and they have uh, some video games. Nice. Um, and then she takes you back to the sleeping quarters. Now the sleeping quarters, they have completely blocked all of the light from the outside uh, into the sleeping quarters because the sun never goes down. So when you want to sleep, you'd really like to be in the dark. Um, they've done a good job of sort of doing that back there. Well, you know, uh, take your gear. Yeah, we'll show you what your area rooms are. And uh, and then, you know, come on back here into uh, the mess hall and we'll, uh, we'll introduce you to some of the other people. So you take your gear. You all got to kind of stow your own gear. Are we um, paired up with anyone or is it singles rooms? Yeah, they're probably multi-people in a mm -hmm. room. Like bunk beds or? Um, probably not bunk beds, but, okay. uh, but definitely sort of crowded in there. Right. Um, you notice as you're going in, there are schedules posted on the walls and you become very, uh, it becomes very keenly aware that there are three shifts. Mm. Right. So they go 24 hours a day. Uh, with uh, with three different shifts, each lasting that be uh, eight hours. Yeah. Um, you have, you put your stuff away. You also have uh, equipment, uh, some personal scientific equipment that you brought with you. Um, that can all go in the lab, which they'll take you over to in a few minutes. But they've also got quite a bit of equipment over there as well. Um, you come back out into the, the rec room and she's assembled a few people. Um, she introduces you. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Marcus Baker. He is the glaciologist. Um, he can tell you all about, you know, the landscape out here and, and what you're going to have to deal with. Um, there's John Mercy. He is uh, one of the Derek hands. Um, probably the most experienced. Um, you've got uh, an, uh, another engineer, maintenance engineer, Lauren. Uh, you've got Tank. He's the cook. Uh, you've got Harry. Uh, he is our communications expert. And uh, then you've got some other, you've got Mike and Jason, who are other Derek hands. And not all of these people are here because some of them are, are out of the, the rig. And then uh, you've got the Roughnecks. The roughnecks are the workers, the hard workers. And it's a mix of men and women. Well, there's one woman in there. There's two women. Okay. Um, so they've been setting up the rig. We haven't begun to drill yet. We're, we're going to start drilling later today. Uh, if you know your uh, uh, drills, and she tells you what kind of drill it is and all of that, um, the drill should be drilling at 105 feet per hour or 32 meters per hour. Uh, and it should get about 25, 20 feet per day uh, or uh, 768 meters per day. Uh, 
the hole that it digs, uh, the, 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 the borehole is actually about three, three and a half feet wide. Oh. And it uses superheated water. They, they drill. Um, there's, a, there's a carbide drill. It drills in, and then it uses superheated water to melt the, the, uh, the shaft. Um, the drill hands uh, sit on the top of the rig, and they attach the next pole when the rig, uh, when they've extended the pole down into the ground. We got plenty of uh, plenty of stuff uh, for getting down there. We're going to be drilling down at least four and a half kilometers into the ice. So, do we have an ETA when we're going to break through to the light? Probably the end of the fifth day. Okay. We should be down there, assuming that we don't encounter any difficulty in the process. Uh, but it should be, there shouldn't be any, it should be ice all the way down. Uh, we're probably looking at something, the lake it is estimated is pretty large, uh, maybe five miles long uh, and contains a tremendous amount of fresh water. Uh, we're estimating that it's probably about 60 to 70 million years old. Wow. Yeah, it was, uh, it, uh, although there was still ice back then, uh, on the, it would have been fairly early on in the, uh, yeah, in the I ice think, period of, they think they still had marsupials running around at that point. Yeah, possibly. So it'll be interesting to see what we get. Um, so now I can take you over to your labs. Uh, we'll, we'll go on over there. So once again, you leave the, uh, there's, there's a lot of heavy coats hung up by the door. So even if you can't find yours, you can find a heavy coat <laughs> to get to the next, next place. Take a coat, leave a coat. Okay. <laughs> Uh, you walk across to, to the, um, oh, well, actually, you're taking a little bit of a detour. Uh, the latrines are outside. Um, I mean, they're not outside. It's a separate tent because mm -hmm. nobody wants to stink up the tent where you all yeah, sleep. Yeah. Um, and then the laboratories are next to that as well. <clears throat> the laboratories are fully equipped. Uh, there's a medical bay in case of an emergency. Uh there is uh, there are storage units for storing ice cores, if Good. you are so inclined to dig ice cores. Um, there, uh, pretty much anything that you would need for analysis of materials is there. They'll have a spectrometer, they'll have an electron microscope, they'll have all that sort of equipment. Um, it's all uh, where we've got like an interlink. Um, a satellite interlink, so there is computer service. Oh, all right. And, uh, okay. Is this state-of-the-art equipment? Pretty much state-of-the-art equipment. All right. And then she takes you over to the rig. Um, the rig has uh, it has been fully assembled, but they haven't started it up yet. Uh, they want it to, they, they need to get an inspection and approval by the engineer, which is George, George Glass. And um, so the rig is an interesting thing. I mean, think kind of like an oil well, but not, not as big, as an, not as tall as an oil well. Um, 
the entire structure is completely covered in a very similar material to the tents. Um, and inside, uh, it's actually quite warm, almost uncomfortably warm, because there are these gigantic boilers that are attached to it for the superheated water. So most of the roughnecks, except maybe for the women, tend to work shirtless because uh, it's, it's uncomfortably hot. Um, the basic premise is they, they bore the hole down to the length of the, uh, the drill, and then they attach a pipe to the end of that, and then they push it down farther. They blast it with uh, the superheated water, and they just keep going and going and going like that as it goes along. Uh, the pumps reuse a lot of the water. They, uh, they recirculate. And uh, so if uh, Mr. Glass would like to do an inspection and take a look at everything, then we can yeah. start that. Everybody else can go back to the, uh, the lab. Sort of, uh, well, I'm going to ask for a section of the ice to be sent to the lab for me to look at. All right, they'll send, uh, they've got some cores already, you know, little cores. Oh. So you, can, you can sort of hand draw the, the long ice cores. The, uh, all right, so they'll do that. Uh, Ms. Bassard, what would you like to do? I will, I'll be heading back to the labs too, making sure all the equipment that I would want is ready and set up. And I might look at some of the samples that um, Jerry Beach is, has requested as well, if he doesn't mind sharing his samples. No problem. Okay. All yeah. right. Um, I want to see if this looks like current ice. All right. So um, your the samples are kind of what you expect. You can uh, date a, a lot from things like pollen that's in the air that's trapped in the ice and these cores are fairly small samples but you can see they're going back 10,000 20,000 years they'll take a lot of analysis but they aren't the thing that's the most important here they're, this area has actually been surveyed quite a bit over the course of uh, over the course of the last you know 50 years or so um you do find a map of the area and the proposed um, size of the lake and its layout, uh, it looks like. This is a satellite picture. So Camp Lake Carter sits right at the very tip of it, and it seems to extend out in that shape. Huh. That's at least what the... Uh, what do you call them? The satellite uh, images are showing. Almost a river. Yeah, it's about five miles long. Mm -hmm. I see that we have a lab technician, Dr. Kathy Remo. Um, do we know her specialty? Um, Dr. Kathy is there. She basically uh, maintains the equipment and mm -hmm. can assist you with anything uh, that you need to do. Um, she does have a doctorate, but mm -hmm. she does look kind of young. So, you know, she's still sort of assisting rather than right, running right, operations. Right. Yeah. Um, 
the rig, everything seems to be, you know, high quality. Well, this isn't like they're not reusing some old rig. They're, uh, they're, they're redoing it. The, um, uh, uh, John Mercy, he's kind of the, the lead uh, Derek person. So he, um, he explains to you how the whole thing works. Uh, you're, you're kind of familiar with how it works. Um, he shows you the operations room, uh, the boilers and everything, and explains that, you know, some of the dangers. Uh, they have to be careful uh, that they don't, uh, uh, you know, they don't overpressurize. Or He goes over all of the safety procedures, but they all know what they're doing. They've done this sort of thing before in other places. Um, and so finally, after, you know, 15, 20 minutes of checking everything, you give them the go ahead. Uh, they fire everything up. Um, the drill makes a lot of noise. And that's kind of why they've put it at the far end of the camp. Um, as you are returning uh, to the, the labs where everyone else is, you also notice that over at the machine shop, you do have a snowcat um, little tractor. Although uh, one of whoever is with you points out that there's no place to go. <laughs> I mean, it's literally a last resort way out because you're 400 miles from the coast. That probably won't get you 400 miles. Uh what kind of communication do we have between buildings? Is there radio setups? Um, sure. Yeah, there's there's phones. Um, I'm not sure that we have an intercom. Is, is the place being heated by the boiler setup? I mean, is there like heat it's, tunnels? It's, it's got its own uh, heating system. Um, it's also got its own generators for electricity and stuff like that. Okay. Probably probably diesel fuel. The, um, the floors inside your tents are wooden. So they've, they've built like a wooden structure with the tents on them. Um, but directly underneath that is, I mean, there's a layer of insulation, but then directly under that is just ice. Yeah. And there are secure, secure bores that go deep down, you know, so that, like I said, you're not going to blow away at the wind or anything like that. All right, so if you are hungry, there's food. Um, they have regular hours for meals. Uh, they work in three shifts. And the only one that sort of is a little bit of an exception to that is, um, is Rachel. Um, what Rachel tends to do is she tends to, do this weird thing where she sleeps for four hours and then she's on for four hours and she just keeps doing that because she wants to be there for some of each shift it's rough mm -hmm. on her but she's in charge of everything and she takes her job really seriously so half i.e half the time you're likely not to see her So, so is there anyone 
you said there's a rec room, right? Mm-hmm. Are there some folks kind of milling around? Yeah, the there's room? always somebody on their off time. Sure. Okay. Um, since I don't have anything right now, being you know marine biologist, we haven't hit the lake yet. I'm probably going to spend some time in the rec room, just talking to people, getting to know them, and making conversation. Okay. There's two gentlemen and a lady. Um, and they're dressed down. You're pretty sure they're roughnecks. Mm. Um, they're eating and drinking and laughing and reading magazines and things like that. Um, so you're uh, you're one of the new ones. Yeah, Sophie Broussard. How are you? Uh, hi, uh, Stuart, Joan, and Paul. Um, are you liking it out here? It's a job. Yeah, sure. I mean, I've been in worse places. I think it's much worse if you're in a hot place, like a jungle, than if you're uh, in a cold place. You can always get warm. It's really hard to get cold when you're... I hear that. So, um, you all just come down here recently? Well, we came down with the job. We've been here about a week. Mm, Okay. Um, You're a scientist? What sort of scientist? Marine marine biologist. You're a marine biologist. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. cool wonder if you'll find anything down there. Maybe there's dragons. That'd be the discovery of the century, I tell you. I, I had heard rumors that there was um, like a Russian camp nearby. Is that true? Or is that just people talking? I don't know. We hear those rumors too. Mm. Supposedly the Russians, uh, you know, they, they found the first deep lake of Volstok mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. contaminated the hell out of it with their oil rigs. Mm-hmm. Their oil drills, uh, but you know, there's a lot of people that say that they might have found something else down there. So, oh, like, like marine know. life or something. I don't know, yeah. like my work. Yeah, I heard. I heard that there might be some sort of like a a monster that lives down there. <laughs> a monster? Think yeah. we heard about it though, huh? Well, no, they're keeping it a secret, you know, because they can find some way to weaponize it and. Who knows, you know? And Jer- Jerry, Jerry, come over here. They're kind of talking like you talk. Sounds like oh. your, uh, your area of interest. Oh, yeah. yeah. So what's up? What? Well, I mean, you know, they sometimes find, what are they called? Cryptids? Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Unknown creatures. Yeah. Yeah. They find yeah. them in the ocean now. Once they thought we're dead for, since the dinosaurs. They're showing up in Hawaii. Well, I heard that there was a big, gigantic, 12-armed octopus thing that lived down in the, in that Lake Volstock. And Wow. I mean, megafauna, we, we know megafauna existed, of course, but uh, that sounds a bit extreme. I, you know rumors. Well, I can't I imagine s- being very big down there. But, That's- I mean... They're all by themselves. They could find, I mean, I don't know what they would eat. But. Yeah, that's what I don't know either. <laughs> I suppose pretty much you're going to find little microscopic things, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Anyway, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've heard rumors. We've, uh, you know, uh, Pete thought he saw a helicopter off in the distance at one point. So, you know, they might have a camp somewhere nearby. Who knows? Uh, it's international territory, so uh, not much you can do about it. 
but it'll suck if they. Uh oh, did we lose somebody? Oh no. Back. <laughs> you hit the video button. <laughs> Hold on. Give me a second. I can rearrange you back. Is that how you were? Yeah. Okay. Note. Um, yeah. So uh, as long as they don't contaminate it, because that was their stupid thing last time. That was a couple of years ago. Oh. Um, there's no concerns about them drilling it. You know, we're drilling, they're drilling. I don't know. George, what do you think? Is that a problem? Uh, I don't think it would be. Um, I think that they would be far enough away from us. Um, not sure. Not sure. Yeah, I mean, they're... It's a big lake. Oh. Not my expertise. So there's a communications officer, I think you mentioned on the list here. Oh yeah, that's Harry, uh, yeah. Harry. Harry, yeah. Yeah, he's in the he's in the communications room. The radio guy. Okay. I'm just gonna poke my head in and to to say hi to him. Because he probably wants the short wave or whatever. Yeah, he's got a short wave. He's he's very much like the radar character. Um, Harry, do you, do you ever like sort of twiddle around the dial a bit to see who else might be uh, doing the radio around here besides well, us? Occasionally, yeah. You're you thinking hear, about the Russians, right? Do you hear any Russian talking? The thing is, is that out here on the Antarctic, you hear a lot of chatter from a lot of different groups. Right. Um, definitely you hear Russian. You hear a lot of Norwegian, oddly enough, and uh uh, German, it's it's difficult um, to tell exactly where they're coming from. Uh, we're not. See, so you, you haven't you haven't heard anything that sounded a bit urgent or odd or anything. Maybe you, I know you can't speak Russian, maybe, but you know the way people talk. Yeah, I don't speak Russian. You speak Russian? I do actually speak a bit. Oh, so if you hear something, <laughs> transcribe it and let me know because maybe you might get a heads up. Sure. Yeah, oh, you think there's. I don't. I. I. Let's just say I, I. got brought into this in a way that made me slightly uncomfortable, and I'm a little worried about what might be happening between the two groups here. Right. Oh, I'll, I'll keep you. Yeah, posted. or or I could just be paranoid and crazy. <laughs> All right. Um. So the day wears on. Um. You let's say you arrived around 10 o'clock in the morning, and somewhere maybe around uh, well, we'll say four in the afternoon, you guys are settling in, you're making yourselves comfortable. Maybe you want to take I don't know what your time, uh, you're, you're going to all be on the same shift, obviously. Um, there's something starts to bother you just a little bit you're not quite sure what it is it's not about the people but you realize after a while that it it has to do with the way everything around you kind of looks not inside but outside and you realize that the sun instead of going up and over it's really doing this it's going around 
because you're on the bottom of the planet and the sun never goes down because it just goes around like this. And so the shadows keep changing, but then they come back. I mean, it takes longer. It'll take 24 hours. But you can see how after a while, since the light never seems to much change in, in amount, uh, how it should be getting later in the afternoon, but it still feels like the morning. And you will appreciate the fact that your tents are <laughs> darkened. Yeah. Um, um, so you, you're, you're hanging around for a while. And uh, maybe you are resting, reading, whatever. Let's let's just ask. Let's just say, what are you doing? I mean, you've looked at your equipment, all your equipment's in order. You don't really have anything to analyze right now that hasn't been already analyzed. So, Sophie, what are you doing to relax? Uh, reading a book in the rec room, hoping you know, just to have, make some friends, and I don't want to be sure. able, you know. Don't want to isolate myself. Yeah. Perhaps you're reading uh, at the mountains of madness, <laughs> Lovecraft, which I hear is kind of a requisition that you have to read that if you're in, in the Antarctic <laughs> exploring. Um, how about you, George? Um, mostly just in the rec room. Um, maybe playing a couple of games with uh, the. Um, Roughnecks, if they're free. Uh, yeah, they got yeah. cards. They got checkers, chess. All yeah, that yeah, stuff. playing cards. Uh, Jerry, how about you? Uh, I like to play cards. So if there's a card game going on, I'm, I'm with that. Otherwise, I, uh, I go sit in the corner and read or go over and check the machines over another time, make sure everything's working just right. The, um, the rednecks are friendly. I mean, it. Uh, they're kind of, you know, they're kind of a, a bunch that hangs together and they kind of welcome you in and playing cards is a good way to break the ice. Literally to break the ice. <laughs> uh, and, uh, Andrew, what are you up to? Uh, well, I'm sort of actually trying to see if I can get anyone to, they got some old video, well, not old. They got some video game consoles there, right? Maybe a mm -hmm. Nintendo or something. I'll yeah. see if I can see if I can get someone to get into two player fighting games with me. Yeah, they don't have a lot of brand new games, but they do have, you know, stuff that came out last year. Oh, that's um, good enough. I'm so, not really good at cards because my, my tells are too obvious, so I avoid those. <laughs> I would like Sophie and Andrew and Jerry all to do lesson roles. I missed it. 45. Is that a pass? Yep. <laughs> you, Holly? Nope, nothing here. Okay. So, Andrew, as you're sitting there uh, playing your games or whatever, you you start to notice what almost seems, you know, like uh, tinnitus, uh, that sort of high-pitched screechy noise in your ear. George, um, you don't need to roll for this. You're you're sitting there uh, playing cards, and this semi-familiar noise 
starts going in your ear and it's this high-pitched screeching noise and you know this sound because you are familiar with the rig that sounds like the rig drill is hitting something like rock okay and uh, yeah go ahead um, so I'm going to put the cards down. I'm going to say to the other workers, guys, I can hear something and I'm pretty certain it's a drill. I think, I think we need to see what's going on. A lot of them can hear it too. They leap up. They're like, holy crap, something's wrong. So um, the, three, the other three of you, you see him jump up and you know, say that and run for yeah. the door, run for the coat. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm actually curious too. I'm going to get a core sample wherever they hit. <laughs> all right. So um, unless you otherwise said so, you're all you're running outside to see what's going on. Uh, it so happens that at this very moment, Rachel is on her sleep cycle. So she's not there. Um, however, John Mercy is. And... Uh, you can hear him in the rig uh, yelling, you know, stop the, stop the, uh, stop the drill, stop the drill like this, which you'd think you could just hit a button and do that, but it, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Um, you can also feel the ground. There is definitely a, a building sort of vibration in the ground and you hear uh, uh, hard to describe the sound, like a cracking, like a like the ground cracking, um, and there is you you see a lot of the workers running away from the rig at this point. Uh, some of them trying to cl uh, climb down. Uh, you can hear the drill sort of winding down, but as it's doing this, there is a small explosion, not a fire explosion, but rather superheated water explosion oh and um it doesn't destroy the rig or anything but a big chunk of something goes flying apparently out of the borehole as it's as it's damaged the uh as it's damaged part of the drill and it rips through the covering on the drill and it lands about a hundred yards over uh, it looks like a big piece of rock or something. I know where I'm going. <laughs> and by now the drill is down and the men are making noise and they're, somebody's run to wake up Rachel. But, uh, uh, George, you can see that it's not the kind of damage that they won't be able to repair in a few hours, but they're going to have to repair that cloth covering because otherwise everything will freeze. Um, so you probably go over to help them. Uh, what are the rest of you doing? Uh, I'm going to check out what landed. I'm curious. Oh, me too. Yeah, I'll go with. Okay. Um, so you go over there. Maybe a couple of the others have come over with you. And what has ejected itself from this, the borehole, is some sort of mineral. It's, uh, it's a piece of rock. Um, it's shaped kind of, I, what would you call it? Like a shard. Um, 
except that it's about three feet long and maybe a foot thick in the middle. And so it's, it's pointed on both ends. It's long shard like that. And it's made of this dark blue um, metallic sort of metal. If you've ever seen bismuth, um, it's got kind of a rainbowy sheen to it in the light. Uh, it kind of looks like that. It's obviously broken. You know, oh. it's, it's been shattered on either end. Um, but you have no idea what it's made out of. Crystal of some sort. Um, it's semi-translucent, but it's, I mean, you can see, you know, there's a translucence to it, but it's solid. It's not clear. Huh. Can I, um, so it's obviously too big to move this without getting a sled or something over here. It would take a couple of people to pick it up. It's probably a couple of hundred pounds. Okay. Does it have any little bits I could chip off for laser <laughs> spectrography or something like that? You could try. Get a, a hammer. Sure. Do you want a couple right. of samples, Jerry? Oh, yeah. See okay. what this made of. You can see that it's extremely hot right now. Oh, well. Uh, probably, <laughs> probably because... You know, when you, like a, a drill like that, when a drill hits something, it's actually the friction causes it to heat up. So it's heated up because of the friction, but it's it's rapidly cooling. Um, you uh, you take your uh, your hammer and, you know, you find a sharp, sharp edge on it and you hit it with your hammer and nothing happens. Uh, you hit it again, you hit it even harder. Nothing. It's how does it sound with the hit? Does it have it, kind it of... rings like a bell? So it sounds like a metal almost. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a metal. It's definitely when you look at it, it's got qualities, though it's a little too hot at the moment for you to pick up. It's it's rapidly cooling because it's of course sitting on the ice um, and melting the ice bit around it but uh, yeah it's weird well maybe we can get some of the uh the roughnecks to help us get it into the lab yeah i'd also i'd like to know what level they found that at because i want to know how far down they got okay uh you find out from well well george can ask to ask them that question yeah so i'm gonna ask them if we can uh get it to the lab from well, it'll take them a couple of hours to, to get it, but we were just about at a thousand feet. Okay. So, now this is a good core sample, as it were. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you get a, I mean, a couple of the roughnecks, everybody's kind of curious about what it is. Mm -hmm. It's weird looking. Um, but they help you to bring it into the lab. Um, maybe there's a you know, big table in the middle put it on the table. Well, with uh, working with Jerry, because he's obviously the big expert here, we can, um, once it cools down enough to work, I'm gonna start doing things like testing uh, its magnet, it's how magnetic it is and how conductive to electricity and trying to like, if I'm going by the idea that it's some kind of metal, strain we'll some go, tests. We'll uh. go uh, bit by bit. Let's say that you, uh, you take it, 
you've probably got, you know, those big metal trays, probably set that down, you've put that in there. Um, your first test, you probably, since, you know, it doesn't seem to be effective when you try to hit it, um, but obviously it can be broken. It's broken off of something. Uh, you do a Mohs test, if you know what that is, a hardness nope. test. And it is at least as hard as diamond. So Mohs tin. Oh. Uh, which kind of baffles you as to what it could possibly be. Yeah, I mean, it can't be a sedimentary layer like this sitting there. I mean, that doesn't make sense. You... Um, you try uh, various chemicals, acid tests, and so mm -hmm. forth on it, and it has no reaction at all. It seems to be completely uh, impervious to that sort of stuff. Whoa. And, okay. And uh, how, how, go ahead. Um, somebody needs to get Rachel up. She's up. She's oh, up, okay. but she's over at the rig. Oh, Okay. I think we need to put a lid on this. Yeah, this is unusual. Yeah, yeah, right. We don't want to. Jerry, do you think we just drilled in the top one of your UFOs there? <laughs> uh, well, it's something strange. Yeah, it could be. It could be something that can travel it, through space. Is it? You said it's flat, or does it have a little bit of curvature to it? Well, it's kind of rough uh, as far as you know. It's like a. It's very smooth looking, but at the same time, it's it's broken in crystallite structures. Um, it's cooled down by now. Uh, do you touch it? Not with my bare hands, no. <laughs> okay, but and you can't really tell what the what the surface. Well, I'll get I'll get some. Um, I'll get a. I'll, okay, we can't take a sample off it because we can't ship it. I'll take some photographs and try to see if I can get something to study the crystal structure of it, like some close photographs. Well, you've got microscopes and electron yeah. microscopes and things like that. Of course, you can't put a chunk in the, <laughs> the electron microscope. Um, With that in mind, you know, we're talking about it can't chip away, can't put, can't get into our microscope. Well, I'm probably yeah. going to go back to the drilling site and see if there's any like fragments around where they were drilling. Okay. Well, okay. So it is a crystal structure. I mean, you're Jerry, you're, you know more about crystal structures than I might on this. There might be a way to, to crack stuff off it if we can figure out like a fault light in the structure somehow as it works. I don't think we can figure out the structure of it. We might be able to, but uh, it may take a little more work to do that. There is a, Jerry, as you're looking at it, there is a weird quality to the light, the way the light sort of bounces on it. When you, when you shift your head you know, back and forth, you're almost, you're, you're wondering if there's like, in the crystal itself, there's a direction. Um, there seem to be lines of, of slightly different wavelengths all going in one direction on this so it, rock. You see that, Andrew? When you move your head side to side, it looks like you can fall yeah, it's, it's like a It's like a naturally occurring fiber optic cable almost. Actually, can I get a little pinpoint light and try shining it through it and see what it does? Yeah. And it's, um, it's translucent. So 
the light can sort of penetrate into it a little bit. Uh, I don't know if there's a way to measure, maybe an inch, you can sort of see the light penetrating in, but then it just, the, the substance of it gets too- Well, thick. okay, there's, this can't occur naturally, right? Or can it? Troy doesn't know enough about geology to know if that could happen. Uh, nothing I've ever seen like it. Should I make a geology roll or? Um, you have all the equipment there, so you can. Uh, if you, if you, even if you've got an extreme on geology, you have no way of identifying this substance. You don't know what it is. It's like okay. nothing you've ever seen. Yeah, okay. In any of your experience, but it definitely has sort of a, a structure to it. Are you going to touch it? <laughs> well, I have no reason to be scared of it now that it's cold. So, um, sure. I mean, I need to get a sense of its texture. You touch it, it takes you a second to realize this because you're, you know, feeling it sort of. Yeah. In one direction, your hand goes over it like it's a piece of ice, like it's glass. But in the other direction, it's rough. Like you can't, you can, of course, move your hand over it. It's just rough in one direction and smooth in the other direction. Okay, I'm just going to stand there for a minute doing this back and forth. Yeah, it seems to be aligned with these sort of, like I say, the, the difference. It's as if it's, it's all pointing in one direction. Maybe there's a structure to the crystals that's much smaller than the naked eye can see. It's easier to go in one direction. It's rough, rough in one direction and smooth in the other direction. Hmm. Meanwhile, uh, Sophie and uh, George, you are over at the rig with Rachel. Um, Sophie, you are looking around, and indeed, you find a small piece of what looks like blue glass um, in the snow near the drill. There's that's about the only piece you find, but yours is about inch or so and you're very careful because that edge on it looks razor sharp mm -hmm. and i'm and very sure i have gloves with this temperature yeah. outside so i've you know i've picked it up with gloves because temperature and pocketed it carefully right. and now george you see this that she's got look we got a got a sample the guys okay, in the lab were saying they the guys in the lab were saying they couldn't chip away a sample of it so this will hopefully this will be helpful let's get that to lab and we'll get it tested out you think they're going to get this up and running again in the next few hours um i want to inspect the drill see if there's a uh check out the damage on it uh one of the shafts was damaged but you've got a lot of them so they'll just toss that one aside it was bent yep um okay the rock must have been hit by the drill and then propelled upward you know, extreme velocity um okay uh, fortunately nobody was injured by the boiling water because it the water came gushing up the hole yep. as well and uh yeah they'll be able to they'll be able to put everything back together and, and get it going they'll be able to sew up the the hole and the, it's just going to take them a while and right now it's cold in there uh which the, the biggest danger is probably the, the equipment freezing up. Uh, yep. So they're using, they're using the boilers. They've turned the boilers up to make sure it's still warm in there. Um, 
But if you want to come back with uh, Sophie, uh, Rachel, of course, is overlooking everything to make sure it's yep. all taken care of. I'll go off with uh, Sophie in the sample. So Sophie, as you and George return to the lab and walk inside, uh, you see uh, Andrew and Jerry uh, examining it. Now, Andrew, you said something earlier that uh, I purposefully uh, ignored up until now because, you know, for dramatic purpose. Um, you decide to run some tests on it and you, uh, you decide to see if you can pass an electrical current through it. And something very, very strange happens. When you pass an electrical current through it, the entire structure of it seems to break down and it becomes almost like a soft gelatinous liquid in the pan. It actually flattens itself out. It's as if the whole thing just suddenly melted. So now you've got a bunch of blue goo in your uh, in your pan. You are muted. Yeah. I assume the current breaks when that happens. Like it just now it's just blue glop in the pan. Well, the current breaks because basically the thing it just dissolves. <laughs> it moves away from your. Uh, your it melted it. Was that just a small up? Uh, small current? Yeah, just I just wanted to see what I wanted to test its properties as a metal. So there's there's liquid blue glop in this pan now. Right, but the liquid blue glop still looks exactly like the crystal sub substance. It's just no longer got a crystalline uh, structure to it. Um, now, when I when I did that, when I put the current, did I put it on the side going rough or the side going smooth? Well, like I say, the whole substance. Is oh, the whole substance. Yeah, smooth in one direction, but rough in the other direction. Um, if you, curiosity, you try again. Yeah, sure, I will. It happens. Absolutely. And the second you apply a current to it, it becomes solid and hard again. In fact, now you've just got a sheet, a flat rectangular sheet of the substance that is now oh, just as hard. This is rigid. this is something out of a sci-fi novel. This is like some weird nano quantum crazy yeah, Isaac, Isaac Arthur world. stuff. Sophie, this is not of this world. Yeah, Sophie. Jerry, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sophie and George come walking in just as you're playing. Okay, I'm going to show them then. Look. Da, da, da. Sample. <laughs> oh, look. look. Under the microscope. What? Look. Look, watch. Is... Oh, did you manage to trip away at it? Chip away no, at watch. It. Just look. <laughs> so the electricity did that. Oh, my God. The yeah. electricity basically solidifies and unsolidifies it. Which is weird all in of itself. This is this, this is not a terrestrial discovery. rock. This there's no way this could be. There's nothing anything on Earth could be formed like this. this and the chip it's impossible. The chip that uh, Sophie has is small enough that you could fit it into the uh, electron microscope if you want. Oh yes, please. Thank you, <laughs> Jerry. This is your area. Do you want to take all right. 
All right. Stick it there. Scope so in on it. You you scope yeah you scope in on it. Um, at first, it doesn't seem to look remarkable at all, uh, but then you uh, you go down to about two hundred magnification, and this weird structure starts to sort of uh, materialize out of the you know the uh, because you're getting so close to it. Um, it looks like this. Oh, wow. It's like overlapping scales or something when you get it. Which kind of explains why in one direction your hand goes over it smoothly and in the other direction doesn't. Oh. So you continue to look closer and... This is what each individual scale looks like at a thousand times magnification. Reminds me of a leaf almost. You can all see this. There's actually a screen on the thoughts, anyone? Does it make you think of a plant? Yeah. What do you think, Sophie? Does that look like an organic organization? Yeah, they almost like fish scales the way you you know the Mm. shiny on one end rough on the other this is so strange what okay this is is a little silly but what were the roughnecks saying about the alleged creature the russians had found did they say it had scales or something maybe this is maybe this is the result of all of the rumors like it's nothing super crazy but you know this is something like that george you might want to tell them not to do any new digging Uh, We should not dig any further until we get a better look at this. So, Jerry, you ran. It'll come down to the site manager. You you can tell her why. (laughs) Sorry. You decide, Jerry, to go all the way up to 20,000 times. Okay. Oh, it's. What is that? It's artificial. It is. Look at this writing on it. That's writing. Is that is that Japanese? No, it looks more like cuneiform or something. But yeah, what is that? Yeah, nothing I ever know. Is that like you said? Someone said artificial. Is this like a serial number or something? Well, like any kind of artificial stuff, like cables or wires, has writing all along it, right? It's to identify right, right, manufacturing properties and stuff. And that looks like a bolt or a connector of some kind. Was well, this some kind of joke then? You can't manufacture something like that. No. <laughs> we can't manufacture something like that. Or we could in a very small amount, but not in a huge amount. Well, I can't even imagine this. That, that magnification, putting the letters on something that small, I don't think we can manufacture it that well. That's uh, mighty small. Yeah, when, 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 does my, do when does my brain explode? Tom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you can do a sanity roll if you want. Yeah, I think I might need to do a little bit of one. Hold on. Yeah, it's kind of mind blowing. Zero two. I actually can handle it. <laughs> Apparently, I'm fine with this. <laughs> there are, I mean, there are people trying to develop nanotechnology. Yeah, but 
this is this is that small. No. Okay. All right. So obviously my brain is rationalizing this. So this could be evidence for some kind of Saurian age civilization. Trying to rationalize it, and that's the first place. Yes, that's the first thing because geologists can kind of go like, well, you know, there was a period of time we can't account for when the reptiles could have evolved sapience and their civilization would have been wiped out. So oh. I'm thinking Saurians. <laughs> My brain's going. Sounding like Jerry now. Well, I'm looking at this thing. <laughs> Jerry is right. <laughs> Jerry is correct. Well, when look it, at it. You give me a good explanation. Okay, at for a thousand it. feet. Give us a rational explanation for at this. At a thousand feet, how far back in time are we looking at? Well, Roughly, at a guess. Million years. Oh, just a million? Yeah, I don't, oh, okay. I don't know exactly. Oh, okay. It's, right. it's difficult to tell. You'd have to analyze oh. the uh, gas. And, but. Um, yeah, I don't have an answer. Yeah. <laughs> oh. man, you know, man wasn't manufacturing materials at this point in time. Well, well the question is, if we want to know if there's more, shouldn't we continue drilling? Well, we if it's an artificial structure of some kind, you don't want to necessarily keep drilling into it because you don't know what's going to happen. Is it, we need to get cameras it, down there. We need to get cameras right, down right. there and take gonna, pictures. I was going to ask, how can we cameras. The drill We need cameras down there. Or maybe send someone down on a hoist or something with a camera. That's three foot wide, so we could go down. Not it. Yeah, who's skinny? <laughs> Let's just send a camera down. Let's just send a camera okay. down for now. Get okay. some pictures. Um, do a luck roll because I'm not sure that you're gonna have a. Oh, is it, camera who has the lowest luck? I have fifty-five. Sixty. Oh, Whoever has the lowest luck, luck rolls luck. Right. Oh, right. Uh, 65 for me. That's you, Sophie. Okay. All right. So I'll roll. Let's see. I have 55 and we rolled 38. Yep. Okay. So you guys are able to rig together. I think one of you actually has MacGyvering. <laughs> uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yay. That makes sense. Yeah. The engineer should be able to MacGyver. There we so, go. I should have said you do MacGyver. Hey, yeah, Tom, so you... I, um, I just need to disappear for a second. Okay, let's take a minute break or two-minute break. Two minutes later. So, All right. we're, go ahead. Yeah, we're thinking of um, trying to get them to stop drilling at this point so we can examine what it is we've, we've cut into and then maybe just move the rig over 50 feet in some direction, start anew. So they can keep drilling if they want to. Uh, do you think you can convince them of that, George? Uh, I could have a talk with her and see what happens. Um, well, I think it's dangerous to continue drilling at, drilling at this point because this thing could respond, this object, whatever it is, could respond in ways that could be dangerous to the equipment and the crew. Um, I'll have a chat with her and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and well, we may sure destroy something. We may just <laughs> destroy something we don't want to destroy. We've yeah. got the find of a lifetime here. Yeah, we have. Did you say it was an international effort here? No, you're on in international territory. Nobody oh, okay. owns it, this land, so. right? So, is it? I was going to ask if we could have a couple people look at the sample and see if we could identify the language or something similar to it. But if it's mostly Americans here, then it's probably moot 
there's probably a few ethnic groups involved in your roughnecks and so forth, uh, and probably your scientists. Um, if you want, you can use the thing to take a picture. Sure, I'll take a picture and, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, you yeah, might want to send it to a linguistics person at, yeah. uh, in the government or yeah. university. See if they recognize any of the symbols. Sophie, do a yes. spot hidden roll. Uh, that's a regular success. As you're getting your photograph of the electron microscope picture, it moves. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did anyone else see that? Take a picture again? Click, click. Well, if you, if you look at the screen, it moves. Every time she takes a picture? No, just every once in a while. It sort of flinches. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's either reacting to some stimuli or it's alive. Well, I mean, does the electron microscope create any kind of field effect? Yeah, that it's, it's basically it? bombarding it with uh, electrons. So Normally, it would kill anything that was in it. You, the living creature can't get put in there. Um, in this case, and it's also in a vacuum. Uh, so the vacuum and the electron bombardment doesn't seem to be having any effect on it. So if it's alive... It's twitching. We need to get a we need to get a camera down into that drill hole. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Absolutely. All right. Um, Jerry, when you're done with that sample, I want to try a little mini experiment when you're done taking the pictures. Okay. Well, let's get some more. See if we can uh, record it being in a slightly different spot. And then uh, any other ideas before we Pass it on or looking at it here. Think of a way to keep this contained. We can I, just come up with, I can make up a geologically sound reason why we should stop because of some kind of material we hit. We don't have to say it was an unearthly metal. We can say it's some sort of rock formation or something. Yes, I, I just mean this, this, it's moving. That concerns me. I, 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 want oh, I see what you're saying. We want to keep it from going somewhere. I know, but it's not moving when we're not doing anything with it. I don't know. That's it's just so strange. Um, when that when that sample was um, when we handed it to him, it was solid, right? Why don't we just put a current across it and see if it still moves when it's in the other state? Oh, good idea. So let's give a little bit of a. Shh. Okay, so you're going to remove the sample from the electron microscope and give a little bit of voltage. Yeah, and, give a little yeah, shock yeah, therapy. Yeah. Um, well, assume you take the precautions of you know putting it in a container. Yeah. Uh, it liquefies. It becomes a little puddle of liquid. So put it back in the microscope in and look at it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, what you see when you look at it now under the, uh, the microscope, the only way I could really describe it is if you've ever seen a hive of bees. Um, it's like all of those little scale things are 
moving and flowing over one another, uh, all in the same, always facing in the same direction. But uh, there, you, I mean, it's, you're not sure if it is a liquid or if it's just mimicking a liquid. Um, hundreds of billions and zillions of these things, even in that little puddle, are all sort of moving around like little insects. Well, um, nanite is definitely what it is. Yeah, says. I guess the problem is, I mean, if it is nanite in nature, I mean, this has only been theorized by some current writers talking about what's his name, Matt Kessler. That's it. Anyways, there's been people writing about nanotechnology. And the, one of the things they worry about is the gray goo, which is nanotechnology that goes out of control. We, maybe the cold is keeping this thing contained. So when it's in liquid form, it's definitely moving a lot yeah. more than when it was in solid. The, the yeah. electricity must, must, must tell it to organize in the direction of the electricity. So it's conditioned to form a pattern in relation to it. We could probably get it to form shapes if we were smart about how we applied electricity to it. Well, last time it turned into a plate, flats. Yeah, plate which is we gave flat. it a little shock, but if we put electricity from two different points and this, there's, that's the right. experimental scientists can do that stuff with it, but it's conditionable. Yeah. It reacts to the stimuli. Um, but leaving in the Antarctic might be the best thing to do. I mean, they're going to have to build a research lab for this stuff here on the premises, I think, maybe. Let's see I don't if we can think... get a camera. Let's see if we can yeah, let's get a camera down there, yeah. Yeah, okay. I think that's a... Start working on that. All right, so you think you're going to have to go about 1,000 feet. Um, the Roughnecks are working on, well... Um, you talk to, to why don't we have George talk to Rachel? Um, so what is it that you think we have to do? I think that we need to stop uh, the drilling at the moment. Um, I believe if we continue drilling, we may actually damage the site. Um, and we simply don't know what we're working with at the moment. Um, so I believe what, that we need to research this more before we continue drilling. Well, if this is some sort of layer, I mean, where do we where do we drill? We don't want to drill for two days and find that we're still hitting this stuff. Uh, we would need to. Um, try to get some sort of excavation or at least try and view inside uh where we have drilled um that would i don't know that that's even possible but if you're saying this stuff is harder than diamond it's uh well you said you were going to take a camera down there see if you can see which direction this stuff is and we'll go in the opposite direction that's going to put us back a couple of days um, I think it would be worth it. I mean, this could be a once in a lifetime discovery. So, well, I mean, you're 
you're kind of the one to, to give us that recommendation. So um, I suppose we'll have to do that. Uh, of course, everybody's getting paid for the extra days it'll take. Um, I'll tell the boys and see if there's any conflicts or problems with that because they go from job to job usually. Okay. So, yeah. In the end, what she thinks is probably best is that you you see if it's like a layer. They have to move, you know, 100 feet away or 1,000 feet away or move the whole camp, God forbid. You know, they've set this all up. That would take a, a couple of weeks. Um, all right. So you bring up the camera so that it goes down. Uh, you lower it slowly down you know, the winch. And uh, affix the light to it, obviously, so that you can see. So the picture is, it's, it's very strange as it goes down because the light from your camera sort of lights up the, uh, the glacier itself on the inside. And the glacier is itself kind of that blue-green uh, haunting sort of color as you go down. But at a thousand feet, you come to a point where you realize that you've come to the place where this rock came from. And as you rotate the camera around, uh, you can see that this substance is about five feet thick. Uh, but fortunately, it only goes mostly in one direction. So it's this way in the ice. And on the other side, there's bits of it, but you can see that you must have caught the edge or a point on the edge uh, that snapped off. Um, if you go, you know, 100 feet it's to the east, you'll be fine. And uh, you won't be encountering it. Uh, do a spot hidden, though as you are looking at the sample on the camera. Is that all of us? Well, you're all looking at the camera, yeah. sure. I got a regular success. I've got an extreme success. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, George points it out then, because he got the extreme success. But as he's looking at, you're looking, of course, at a camera. Um, so there's some dis there's like slight distortion from the uh, from the camera itself, but you almost think it looks like a special effect from some movie. Um, you can see that the substance is the same substance that's on the counter over there, but every once in a while you see a little spark of electricity on the surface of it. It might just be the light sort of catching the crystalline structure, but it definitely looks like little, little sparks of electricity once in a while on this substance. It's also quite um, irregularly shaped. It's not like a, like a flying saucer or a dome or anything. It's like a big gigantic chunk you know, buried in the ice a million years ago. 
this thing is amazing. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Strange, all right. Well, aside from the fact that you're moving the, the rig, we should probably try to map out the dimensions of it. Maybe we can find something that we can ping it with sound or magnetics or can't keep digging you, boreholes for sample you, holes, but you definitely have some sort of seismic okay you know, imaging stuff like in jurassic park yeah okay okay yeah okay yeah i want to get out the seismic perform thing and measure out its <laughs> circumference or whatever okay. it is now, now you're making me think of kong <laughs> <laughs> so so over the course of the rest of the day, um, and there's there's some sort of you know there's a lot of disgruntled. It's not really they're not disgruntled. They're going to get paid for it, but it's work they didn't expect to do. They have to dismantle the rig, have to move the boilers, have to move the whole whole situation a hundred feet over, and um, you know John Mercy's probably the one that complains. That it's just. Meh. We were hoping, you know, this place is fucking cold. We're really tired of, <laughs> you know, this. And, but but they managed to do it. So we'll assume that over the course of the next few days, it's all been moved over and it's being set up. So what do you want to do? Uh, what do you want to do then with this? Uh... I'd like to take the, the pictures that I had and just see if anyone around camp even if it's not a language people know, maybe like, oh, this looks a little familiar, you know. Um, you try various people, but you know, you ask them if they speak any other languages. You show them this this text, and uh, do a luck roll. Well, I know it's not a luck roll. Let's do a. I guess it's a luck roll. Do a luck roll. Tell me what number you get. Okay. Uh, I got on a, a 17. Ooh, that's pretty good. Um, one person. Um, Dink. Mm -hmm. When you show it to Dink, he says that, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't planning on being a roughneck his whole life sure he had he had started to get an education and you know things didn't you know he was going to be a scholar of uh, various languages but it just he never got a job it never paid and he ended up going into his family's business which is you know the drill work and stuff like that so now he's here he says he thinks that he's seen something like that in an old book at the university that he went to long, you know, years ago. Yeah, sure. If I were to send this off, which university? Miskatonic. Oh, that's in Massachusetts, right? That's in Massachusetts, yeah. Okay. Oh, well, th Arkham. thank you. Maybe someone there can uh, help us decipher it. Cool. Yeah, it's really weird. What is that? Some some sort of machine? Yeah, I, I possibly. I don't know. We don't know what to make of it. 
Cool. Um, actually, that brings up a cool. Are you telling any of the rednecks, I mean, the roughnecks, what's been going on in the lab? Well, we don't want to panic them. We're, oh, God. <laughs> that's, that's, that's exactly my point. I yeah, mean, we, we need, well, that's right. I need to make up a cover story that it's a type of geological fault or rock or something that's dangerous to drill on. Well, you said that it was hard, so. Yeah, yeah. All right. I think they'll probably, well. All right. There starts to be some interesting little rumors that start running around the camp that you guys might have found something. uh, A piece of alien technology, piece of spaceship. Um, so <laughs> may not be are, far off the mark <laughs> I, I, I rolled a seven so uh, okay. when uh, when you are alone with some of these people they'll so uh, tell me what was it what, what is it that you found you get a lot of you know pressure like that you can say oh it's just a rock it's nothing but yeah you would say that wouldn't you if you actually found something so the rumor mill sort of gets going you're not that worried about it People are curious. Hopefully, people don't start getting frightened. Um, Now, you could rig something up if you wanted to go down there, but you are in a three and a half foot hole and you won't see anything more than what you've seen. And it's hard as a rock. So, yeah. I, I wanted to try one little experiment with our sample and the bigger piece. Uh-huh. I want to turn them both to goo and then put them in the same container and then shock them and see if they reform as a unit. Uh, it, let's let's go into the details of that. If if you turn them both to goo, do you put the smaller piece on top of the bigger piece? Uh, next to it. How close next to it? Very small gap. Okay. If there is a gap, they both simply solidify the way that they they were. Okay. But um, if one's on top, it just becomes a general mass? Well, if you test that, if there is even the slightest touch, they simply pull together and there's just one thing. Okay. Um you also find that when it's liquid, you can take take it out. You can, it's not as hard as diamond. You can scoop a couple of the stuff out. Okay, I'm gonna get some glass oh, containers oh. if you got some and try to see if we can get it to solidify in different shapes, just for shits and giggles, I guess. I don't know. It it takes on whatever shape it's it's in. Yeah. It's, <sighs> If this if this could be applied to some sort of industry, it would be astonishing the things that you could do with it. Oh man! Well, Jerry, if if you and I, because you and I, I'm starting to think in the same way you do. I'm huh? wondering. If, I'm wondering if that's part of some kind of object. Maybe we should put the stuff back down there and get it to reconnect. Because we might have just knocked a big chunk off of something that needs to keep running. Oh. 
Mm, boy, I have to give up all hate to give up all the evidence that we got something. Yeah. I mean, we got pictures, but uh, you know how easy it is for somebody to laugh and say you faked the picture? Yeah. Actually, I'm surprised the military hasn't moved in already. Well, yeah. They don't know about it yet. Yeah, no, we're 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 not we're not making we're not making a big stink about this. So let's assume that a couple of days have gone by. Uh, you guys have uh, you've got the new rig up and going. Um, you've covered the the old borehole just you know because it's dangerous. It's about three and a half foot hole in the, in the ground. Um, You've tried to analyze the samples. Uh, it's easier to sa- uh, analyze the liquid samples. When you do a, a, a spectrograph, um, it's a little baffling. There's definitely some things in the in the the spectrum that um, you can't identify. But for the most part, you're getting that the substance is made mostly of silicon, silicon, silicon. And um, beryllium, of all things, a metallic metal. Uh, but other things in there too. Lots and lots of other little elements that are part of the whole thing. Um, mm. Silicon's the weird thing because it's well, it's it's glass, it's sand. No. Second most abundant substance in the universe. Hmm. Andrew, did that um did that comms officer ever say anything about hearing people on the radio? Well, I asked him if he heard any you know, anything that sounded like Russians being particularly excited to, to let me know. He um let's see, do a luck ball. Okay, hold on. Uh nope. Okay, so he tells you that the most he's heard is some garbled. Sounds like Russian, but it, there's not enough to really to make out. Make it. Mm. I wonder um, if I wonder if the rumor. I don't. I don't fully believe the rumors, but you know, rumors usually have some basis in something. I wonder if they found something similar to what we found. Well, it's if there's pos- one at all. I don't know. It's possible because if you excuse my insane Surian hypothesis. If there was such a civilization, its artifacts would exist at a certain stratification level. And if the Russians found something comparable and they put it away in one of their labs and they're looking for it here, then yeah, they could have found something exactly like this. I mean, it has to exist at the same time continuum, the same eon or epoch or era. Well, we don't even know if there's a camp out there. It's all just rumor anyway. Well, I don't know. Who knows? Given that this thing exists where it does exist, it's a non-zero chance it exists elsewhere in the world at the same level or depth in other places, and the Russians could have come across it. Mm. And if they did, they would definitely be looking anywhere else that matched the characteristics. So I, the Russian, Russia, I mean, the world still exists, so whatever they found in it didn't kill everybody. But mm-hmm. Wait, what is... um? What does the glaciologist make of all this? Have we read him in? Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, 
he says the one thing that you have to realize is that there's often um, gaps and things oh. uh, in the ice. And sometimes those gaps can be filled with other substances that have leaked into them, you know, over the years. It's oh, not yeah. that unusual. Um, the thing that you found is very, very strange. Uh, it, uh, it reminds him of like a colloidal liquid that under the right stress gets suddenly solid um, and then, you know, can be released from that solid state. Uh, it's fascinating, but he doesn't know any more than, than you do. do. Do we have any idea of how big it is from the seismographic stuff? Oh, well, okay. I was going to do the seismograph. So you, you do the seismograph and it shows a couple of interesting things. One is this, this object, whatever it is, um, it's barely there, according to the seismograph. It's like its substance is almost like the ice. So it's almost non-reflective as far as picking up the vibration. It mm -hmm. vibrates at the same frequency as the ice, but just far enough where you can sort of see the shadow of it. Um, you can't really see how thick it is, but if it's five feet or so thick, um, you know, there's probably a good 30 or 40 foot chunk of it down wow. there. Uh, very, it's not, it's not in any particular shape. It's kind of irregularly shaped. So the, the glaciologist tells you that it very much does look like some sort of a substance that's been excreted there, you know, from something, uh, a pool of something that eventually got frozen over and buried in the so, ice. Like, like maybe a type of industrial waste? Maybe. I mean, they wouldn't say industrial waste. No, not at that level. That's mm. thousands, uh, you know, a million years ago yeah there's there's no surprise you would think that how odd i'm hanging out with jerry a bit too much <laughs> well we found it and it has letters on it to me that rules out life you know there are a lot life. of things in nature that look like things that you wouldn't expect there's in fact, I once saw a poster of butterfly wings with the alphabet A, B, C, D, E, F, G, <laughs> because the, that's what you looked when you saw the butterfly wings. So I'm not so sure those are, those are what you think they are. Hmm. They're like the crackles in a painting or, you know, unusual, yes. Alien, probably not. This man speaks with some sense, gentlemen. So, Sophie, did you have any luck with your linguist buddy at university? Or yeah, yeah. did he, he said he said that it looked a little familiar that at some some university back in America. But uh, I mean, I don't think we have a way to get it to them, right? It's well, we we we've got we got satellite communications and we got shortwave. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I don't remember how easy it was to get stuff around in the 90s. Yeah, but. I was about to say it was the 90s. I don't really know. 
they had fax machines, but uh, you're now also talking about turning information over to people in the university. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't really have a I don't really have a dog in this fight. This seems to kind of be you and Jerry's discovery, and I'm happy for you. Uh, I don't know. Do you want me to ship this off to Miskatonic? You also can... have your scientific reputations. It's true. People we could we could make it. I think this is a hoax. An, an anonymous inquiry, maybe. Well, we could just show the letters, not say anything about it. Does anybody recognize these letters? This inscription. Not say that we found it, where we found it, or what it looks like, or anything else. Good. I. You want to put your name on this, Jerry? Because you know. Sure. I don't. <laughs> I'll send it to Mister Connor. Everyone already knows you have weird theories. That's, that's yeah. true. That's true, Jerry. Your reputation is perfect for this. Yeah. <laughs> no one will take it too seriously. So everybody do listen to this. <laughs> nope. Failure. Failure for me as well. You all failed. Okay, cool. And the end of the world comes. That's the end. Of the world. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> Just because of one roll. So as you are standing there arguing or discussing, um, you suddenly become aware of a noise. Uh, you didn't hear it coming, but uh, it sounds like... Um, the sound of um, snow cats. Uh, oh God! And uh, and once you realize it, you realize there's the sound of snow cats, and uh, you see Rachel come like through the place and go outside, grab a coat and go outside. May as well oh. go see what's going on. And you know what? I think that's a good spot for break. So. <laughs> five, minute, five minute bio break. Oh, until we get the five minutes later. Did you guys get that from SpongeBob? Yeah. I thought so. I thought I recognized it. I knew it was from SpongeBob. Everybody okay. gets it from SpongeBob. Oh, okay. I made my own graphics. So, yeah. And my own voice. Oh, that was you going five minutes yeah. later. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be right back. All right. So you guys go outside. And you see that a number of snow cats and, and that are that have uh, big uh, truck things on the backs of them are are pulling up not into your camp but right on the edge of your camp. And there are uh, there are Russian flags on them, mm. and uh, they start getting out and uh, unloading equipment. Um, Rachel is livid. She goes up there. No, no, no. You, you can't. You can't do that here. And they just, just they, they start to set up a camp. Uh, she yells back. Does anybody speak Russian? Yeah. Uh, do you want me to go over there and talk to them, or do you want me to yeah, translate please. for you? Tell them they can't set up here. This is our camp. Uh. All right, I'll um, I'll head over, uh, head over to the camp, 
And I'll look for someone who looks like the camp foreman or whatever. Okay. Um, uh, a fellow by the name of uh, uh, Dmitry Kokolov. He says, he says, oh, oh hello, comrade. Uh, we decided we could get the much better uh, uh, chances of getting to that lake. Uh, that you yourselves are digging for, but we need to move our camp right over here. But it's such a big lake. Why do you need to be right next to us? Why do you need to be here? We want. We were here. We got we, here. We have been unsuccessful so far, so we wanted to move to a more strategic vantage point. I see. It's a free, <sighs> it's a free country. As yeah, yeah, yeah. Like to say. Do you um, do you want to do you want to warm up your reception a bit? I don't know what you mean. Did you bring any uh, supplies of? Uh... Oh yes. Well, let's just say that our our Russian uh, masters are much more lenient as far as that sort of thing goes. Yes. Which I actually didn't mention earlier to you. Alcohol and smoking are, are not allowed in your guys' camp. However, that makes sense. Some people do bring, secretly sneak in some whiskey yeah. and stuff like that, but yeah. Are you, um, are you, I'll ask him if he's got an outbuilding for, for the relaxing and drinking of stuff that Of course perhaps... we do, but uh, it's going to take us a while. So, have you found anything interesting? Uh, still, still digging. Rachel is like, "What are they saying? What are they saying?" <laughs> well, <laughs> so the problem is that it is international grounds. They can set up where they want, and they failed to find anything where they were looking. And I think intuitively they thought perhaps we were parked closer to something intriguing, and they're just trying to find the water. They claim. Well, tell them it's too close. I mean, at yeah, least but we three hundred feet over there or so. <sighs> I mean, the way they're setting up, it's practically going to be one big camp. And she yeah. sort of looks over him. She says, "Move over, move over." Uh, so, what is his name? Did you say his name was Sergey or Ivan? What was it? It's Dmitri Kokol. Dmitri, Dmitri, Dmitri. I'm I'm so sorry, Dmitri, but um, my boss. She you have a woman as a boss. Yeah, well, you, you have women as bosses in Russia, yes. It's good communist country. Women can be bosses. We let them think so. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> she is effectively a boss. And she is uncomfortable with the closeness of the two camps. How far could you possibly move and still get your operation going? Just give her some distance. The Cold War is over, my friend. I know, I know, but we don't want her getting antsy and, you know. You haven't set up anything yet. Can you give us some distance? I don't want to cause an international incident. Uh, so he says to his people, move it over 300 feet. I'll, um, I'll join you for a drink later, maybe, if you're up for it. Yeah, come over. Tell me uh, tell me your adventures so far. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you're all invited. All right, but I think some other people might be interested too then. Yeah. <laughs> all, right, all right, I'll so go they, back. 
they move yeah. a little farther away there. So they're considered they're about a football field away. Okay. Is that good enough? There's nothing we can do about it. So I just, you know, didn't want them. Keep all of that stuff under wraps. Mm -hmm. Don't tell them anything. I've seen, I've seen my, uh, I've read my Jean Le Cray novels. I know what I'm supposed to do here. <laughs> tell the tell the roughnecks to keep all the rumors contained to this. Yeah, account. well, I've, I've the, heard. We I've need heard to talk to the foreman and get him to do that. I think. Right. That's uh, John. Yeah. Um. He tells you. He says that's going to be. Uh, well, it's Jerry. I mean, it's George that he would be talking to. Yeah, that's going to be really hard. I mean, I can't control what these people are doing. And now that you got a bunch of Russians with their uh, potato water. Yeah. Everybody's going to be drunk. And, uh, yeah. So lips. maybe what we need is um, a really ridiculous story, if anyone can think of something that's circulating. Well, it sounds like some of the stories circulating right now are pretty ridiculous. Yeah, that's right. So tell them we tell them we found a gigantic eight-legged uh, octopus creature. That seems to be the one that we heard about them. Yeah. Okay. Put Jerry on the case. I'm sure he'll come up with something crazy. Yeah, Jerry, can you make up something that they just couldn't buy, even though they could think we'd be dumb enough to? <laughs> Lots of UFOs. UFOs. Lots of UFOs. Nazi UFOs. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. They were down here during the Second World War, you know. Yeah, yeah, they might buy that we think that. Yes, you realize, comrade, we are the ones that won that war. We pushed yeah. the Nazis back and I, I, I won't <laughs> I won't deny it. I wouldn't mind having some of their, their potato water. I, I I picked up a taste for it when I was in my graduate studies. Listen, Jerry, if we go have a drink with them. Start spouting out the craziest nonsense yes. you can think of. Yes. Get right. <laughs> <laughs> give them the give them the, the whack job tour. <laughs> yeah, there's all sorts of things going on down here. Excellent. Just just go down the list. Name all them right. all. <laughs> all right. So um there's a little bit of tension but the tension between the two sides is mostly with the people in charge. Um, a little bit with the roughnecks because, you know, they're a little more inclined to listen to rumors and think, you know, these are the evil Russians that have come to uh, do it. But for you guys, um, over the course of the next day or so, um, uh, you you come to realize that this Dmitry Kokolov, uh, he's loosely sort of in charge of the reset up, but he's really more the communications officer. Mm -hmm. um, so now that they're so close, every time they transmit something, um, uh, Harry can pick it up really mm -hmm. easily. Um, and if you want him to continue to transcribe. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so far, all it sounds like is just regular old communications, uh, usually between Dimitri and uh, uh, another camp they have on the coast 
um, which you guys kind of have a camp on the coast as well. Um, it's not doing anything. It's just a standard communications camp. Uh, you also have another glaciologist, Nicholas Fyodorov. Uh, you oh. have another chemist, Alec Andreev. Mm -hmm. And you have a climatologist, Anna Popendrov. Oh. And they are very happy to discuss scientific questions and things with you. Sure, we could set up a dinner date with the group of us and just chitter chat. So indeed, that's kind of what you decide to do is in the spirit of international communications, you uh, communicate. All right. Um, the Russians are also big on singing and dancing. So very quickly, the party turns into a real party. And... Uh, they're always, the only problem is, is that they're constantly trying to get a little information. You can't help them. You can't blame them for at least trying. Yeah, yeah, of course. They like their gossip and their rumors. And they're good at it. They're good at. Uh, oh, yeah. So your man told us that you have found something very interesting, which they don't actually know whether you found anything interesting, well, but they're, they're fishing. Um, I'm going to. I'm going to see if we can get them to brag about their credentials and what they've done. Get them oh, to yeah. get the, oh, yes, yeah, so you did this, and I heard you did that. And Unfortunately, it sounds a lot like um, gobbledygook because, I mean, it doesn't sound in disingenuous. It's just all of the names and places and everything is Russian. Uh, not so hard for you to pronounce, but hard for everybody else to remember. Where I am involved in Vladivostok or whatever it was. Vladivostok and yeah, Vladivostok and uh, okay. uh, Moscow and all the other places that are there. Uh, but they seem to be a fairly nice. I mean, they're scientists. They're not soldiers. All right. On the uh, fifth day. The relations have been going pretty well with them. It's uh, early afternoon, and once again, I'd like you to all do uh, listen roles. You've you've actually gotten down quite a ways. Nothing here, Tom. Tom, before before we get that far into it. With Jerry, I'm going to see if we can find some kind of set of containers that we can pour the okay. stuff into and then and then electrocute it so it takes on the shape like maybe in a radiator right. or something that just looks doesn't look like a big rock. It's just going to be hidden in something. Sure. That so yeah, in a radiator or something like that. Yeah, you find that fairly simple to do. Okay. I fight up. All right. Yeah. Zero nine. Oh. It it all starts with a vibration. Um, oh no! The, the the ground underneath you begins to vibrate. The Russians are also drilling at this time, but they've they've only been drilling for a day, so they're not they're not very deep at all. Um, 
you guys, I believe, are approaching. You're at least, you know, beyond 5,000, 6,000 feet down already. Um, it starts with a vibration of the ground. And then um, there's a noise. Um, it's obviously being caused by the drill itself, uh, a vibration running up the drill. Um, there's a moment of sudden panic as everyone uh, starts running away from the drill. Oh, and nice. the, only, the only person that's kind of stuck where he is is John Mercy, who is on top of the drill rig. Uh, he was, they were preparing to add more uh, length to the drill. Um, there is a steam explosion as water, uh, uh, superheated water, comes blasting out of the uh, the shaft and blows him off the the rig, uh, but not before pretty much boiling him alive. Uh, he falls to the ground. And uh, it's about 35 feet. He falls to the ground and the people start to come running up to uh, you know, try and save him. A couple of the other guys have come running out and thrown themselves into the snow uh, because they're also severely burned on their chest and their arms. Um, and there is a very strange um, earth cracking sound, that sort of sound that you heard before. But this time, everything starts to vibrate. And from where the old pit, the old borehole was, to where the new borehole was. And for maybe, I don't know, uh, 200 feet all the way around it, the ground begins to subside. It begins to drop. No. And... Uh, you can all do uh, dexterity rolls to see if you're knocked off your feet. Failure. Normal success. Normal success. Okay. Oh, great success. Huh? So as you succeed, you manage to grab a hold of something as the, 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 the land itself begins to tilt. Uh, Sophie, you lose footing and you roll a bit. Um, the whole area is turning turned into a kind of crater that has sunk down maybe 30 feet down into the ground. The rig um, has been demolished and most of it has been funneled right down the hole and uh, has clattered right out of existence as far as you know. the boilers have exploded all over the, uh, the snow. Uh, and the Russians come running to help because they see that this disaster has happened. Um, and then everything sort of goes quiet, but except for you know, steam and the screaming and yelling and everything. Is our camp in this crater as well? Like Your camp is camp? right on the edge. So your lab has, has probably shifted and sunk at one end a little bit but not so the point where all of your equipment is right 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 come flying out oh, oh my god I no. I, i'll be running to try to help people yeah yeah the guys rolling in the snow and everything yeah i'll be doing the same as well 
Okay. Yeah, just get them up to the med facility. Um, the the men who were burned, um, they're in extreme pain. Although a lot of it is third degree burns. Um, unfortunately, John Mercy run up to John. Uh, he's barely conscious, and if you even try to touch his skin, it sort of sloughs off. You can you can do oh. um, you do sanity goals. Pass. Pass. Pass as well. So take one point of damage if you pass. If you fail, take 1d4. I don't know that we can move him. Look, look Look at the state of him. He's probably not going to survive. Yeah, I don't. I think it might just be more of a kindness to to leave him i don't if we start trying to move him he's going to be in agony can we get some opiates from the the first aid guys um like morphine or something stuff, but what they'll want to do i mean he's laying in the freezing snow so he's going to lose his he's going to lose his his nerve extremity feeling pretty soon anyways uh they um, uh they somehow managed to get him delicately onto a gurney but okay his uh he lit, he was blasted with 600 degree no he's yeah um they take him in and it, it they, they try to do something but in a few minutes he goes into shock and yeah there's there's no saving him uh the injured men are in a great deal of pain uh but they're being treated and some of them uh, they were injured to the point where they're probably not going to be work working maybe yeah. never but um, how did this happen? Nobody knows exactly what happened, except that the whole area seems to have subsided. Um, right about 5,000 feet is where they were drilling, and they seem to have cracked into a void which destabilized the whole thing. One of the guys, so the whole thing is like, yes, one of the guys, it was like cracking into an eggshell. Well, we need to go have a look at this. Yeah, let's go look at where where the center of it would be. Um, the Russians, of course, are also very helpful. They're also very interested in what happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're kind of all over your camp at this point because nobody's telling them to leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So the uh the ground has subsided and cracked all around the, the second door hole um but and you can you, you're guessing that most of the equipment fell into the hole mm-hmm. and you don't see any so it's it's dropped 5000 feet down oh okay um there's of course a lot of stuff across the hole and on top because the yeah. whole structure kind of collapsed uh you do have uh, enough cable to go down there and see if there's anything salvageable. Is are all of the people accounted for? Did anybody yeah. go down with the rig? Nobody went down with the rig. Okay. okay. John was the last one and he, he was in the process of getting off when he got blasted. So are you saying we could run a wench or something to lower a platform with us on down to look? Is that what you're saying? Or well you'd have to do um 
I mean, it wouldn't be a platform, but it would be like sitting on a swing, mm. you know. I mean, the hole's still only this big, but the cable's strong enough that they could literally put you one after the other if you all wanted to go down. I mean, this whole area feels completely unstable. I'm, I would be worried well, no. about our own safety. Well, God, I know what a real geologist would do right now. <laughs> um, is there anything in geology where this kind of air gap and then collapse that I know of, and therefore I would suggest now it's done, it's stable, or? Well, you would think, you know, it could be something like a salt dome. Okay. That you've, that you've cut into. Um, it's been stable for millions and millions of years. Right. Uh, so it's probably just right where you cracked through the. But it seems reasonable to think that we've collapsed to the bottom of it at this point. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to opinion that I think we're about as stable as we're going to get at this point. I I trust your expertise, Andrew. If you think it's safe, then I'll do it for two Scooby snacks. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what do you think, George? Should we go down the hole? Yeah, I want to look. I think we should. Yeah. It's your drilling equipment down there too. Yeah, Holly. Yep. Yep, they're going to take it out of my pay. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> All right, so George, once again, you MacGyver uh, the whole rig, second rig, yep. so that you guys can lower yourselves down there. Can I make sure that we get some sort of equipment before we actually go down? Sure, you tell me what you guys want to take with you. Um, well, obviously, if we're going to go... In quite deep. Um, we're going to need light sources. Um, it's going to get more possibly colder down there as well. So something for more warmth, first aid kits in case there's an emergency. <laughs> geologically, when you go down it shouldn't get the ground, it should actually get a little warmer. Mm. Yep. Uh, okay. It'll never get. It'll never get above thirty-two though, because yep. it's yep. all ice. Okay. Uh, gonna, cameras? Yeah, I'm going to bring, bring a video camera. I'm going to bring a camera. Field kit, just in case Field we kit. manage to get some kind of collection. Geiger counter, just in case. <laughs> Wise. Okay. Um, the the Russian encampment is not affected by this at all, correct? No. Okay. Um, would we have any? Would we have anything like in case we hit poisonous gas? layers or something like gas masks or something is that something we'd have yeah i mean that's not unreasonable i'm not okay, sure we'll why you would have them here but who knows yeah. okay we'll bring some gas masks just in case because you never know and some ice picks for climbing yep. or something like um, that right and for getting samples right all right so you create this rig and you start uh you have some of the roughnecks are helping to lower you down. The others are cleaning up the mess. Um, some of them are digging the grave for poor uh, John. Um, and you've kind of picked this up like a, a, a imagine if there were four seats on top of one another so that you're rigged in there. You're going down. And you got, you've got uh, carabiners that are uh, got you strapped on so you're cool. Um, you've got plenty of light to go down, and it's going to take about an hour um, 
to get you down there because it's it's a mile down. You, so we have radio so we can talk to the people up sure. above when yeah. we pulled up. Right. Oh, yeah. So we think there might be fresh water down there, I guess. Well, it's all fresh water. So can we bring in, this is, I don't know if we'd have oh. this, could we bring an inflatable raft? You're actually not anywhere near the, the lake yet. You oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. To go before all right. You sure. the lake. All right. Um, this is something between you and the lake. You start down, and it's it becomes very hypnotic and and you know and monotonous for that hour going down. Who is going first? Uh, what order are you guys going in? I'll go first. Okay, George goes first. I'll go second. Okay. George, chemist. I guess I'll third. go third. Okay, fourth. Fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Sophie and then Andrew. All right. So George, um, you can see down below you um, that the hole for the, the borehole you're in suddenly opens up. And as you, uh, as you suddenly go out, you suddenly find yourself in this gigantic oval sort of shaped chamber um your guess is that it's at least 600 feet across uh, deep maybe 300 feet wide and maybe 300 feet tall so it's like a gigantic egg shape or ovoid under the ground there seem to be odd lights in the distance um, towards the middle of this and some sort of gigantic structure. You also notice that there are pillars um, that are coming up and supporting part of the roof where, where the whole thing is cracked through. And directly beneath you, you can see all of the mangled equipment that has fallen in and landed in this hole. If, if the ovoid was like this, you've kind of come in way over here on one end of it. So the wall is actually kind of slanted right where you're coming in. Um, and then each of you sees this in turn as you go in. The, the cable goes down another 100 feet and you land on the ground. Uh, there is a great deal of ice and snow and damaged equipment all around you. Uh, but it's, I mean, you're, you can stabilize yourself so you're fairly safe. You're not going to get crushed by anything. And you radio up above. Okay, okay, stop. Yep. So what do you do? Um look around um does the do the lights look anything like um what we witnessed with the specimens not really um you it's you it's weird it's it's almost like there's some sort of source of colored lights um that are shining up from the ground now that you're on the ground and you're sort of looking into this, the valley of this gigantic ovoid you're in, um, 
they're a little bit obscured by structures that are in there. Um, they almost look like buildings uh, or something like that. The pillars, however, are really odd because they're not natural. They look like they were manufactured. They are okay. uh, five-sided, which is also unusual for you know everything you've ever seen is either round or it's a hexagon. At least this is five-sided. Okay. Um, it's also in here. It's very symmetrical. Everything is. This whole chamber has to be artificial. It's perfectly smooth. It's okay. And is everyone else coming down after me, or yeah, are they waiting right. up, up? So it's like okay. you land and, and move away, and the next one. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm gonna radio up to whoever's on the service and basically tell them um, I've found something highly unusual, and I want it named after me. <laughs> um, do the lights? Sort of, do they have any sort of like they're going off into a direction, like they like they're tapering off towards something or well it's um if I were to describe it in in terms that we can visualize, imagine if you were on a hill looking down at a cluster of buildings and somebody in the middle of the buildings had electric lights that were blinking and shining upwards. So you can only really see the light shining up. You don't see the individual, whatever it is. And okay. you see that, and you really see them because there's some sort of odd structure that hangs down from the center of this ovoid, kind of like a big cone coming down. So it looks very alien. Okay. Without all of the um, googly things going on. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to yell up to the others. Guys, you need to get down here and see this. This is just amazing. And it's definitely being named after me. <laughs> bold, bold claim there, George. <laughs> oh, don't see any swastikas, do I? <laughs> I don't think this is Nazis, Jerry. No. Okay. <laughs> they weren't. They weren't into five-sided things. I don't think. Awesome. I'm going to. I'm going to. Yeah, video, video pan. Yeah, it's very strange looking. Um, what do you do? I mean, you can go down towards the structures. Um, yeah. I'm definitely going to go down towards the structures. Okay. So most of the debris and snow and ice have landed underneath. So you've got maybe 100 feet around, you've got you know, debris that gets lesser and lesser. Um, and then you're stepping on the actual structure itself, this gigantic figure, like in a gigantic eggshell. Um, and you can see these little buildings up ahead of you. Um, since you're walking first, George, do a listen roll. I failed. You failed. Okay, so you don't hear it. Everybody else do listen rolls as you're going. 
or anything yet. So, uh. oh, that's actually a success. No, <laughs> no. Pass. Okay, well, what? Sophia all of a sudden puts her hands on everyone. Wait, somewhere off in the distance, you can hear something that sounds like music, um, like. Somebody, maybe a couple of people playing flutes. Uh, except that? they're not playing a tune. They're just sort of randomly playing. George, turn the radio off for a minute. Is that someone up on the surface? Um, I'm going to turn it off. And I think I does, may hear some whistling type. Does it sound like it's coming off in any direction? Yeah, it's any particular the direction? lights are. Um, um, and it's intermittent. I'll, it doesn't happen all the time. It's just occasionally you'll hear. Uh, I'll say to Sophie, I think it's coming from that direction. Okay, we'll turn uh, the radio back on. We don't want to lose comms yeah, yeah. surface. Yeah. Should we investigate or should we possibly get more people down here or? It would take an hour for anybody to get there. Yeah. Okay, maybe not. I think we need we need to go forward. Yeah. What the what the hell makes music like that? We're well, in the middle of the ice. Well, now that we're here, it could be like an Aeolian harp or something. Maybe there's a breeze going through some chimes or something. It's obviously artificial. There could be musical note making things hanging on something. Oh, we, we could. Let it let air in this make a whistling yeah. noise. Holes. Yeah, that's true. There could be a natural formation that would do that too. So as you move forward, you get close to these smaller structures and you realize that you can actually, without because of the, the sort of gentle curve of everything, you can sort of step out onto them and move forward towards the middle where it's a little more sunken in. And this this these play of blinking lights, I guess, is coming from. And that's when you see it. Um, moving around the area uh, is a creature. It stands about nine, ten feet tall, uh, and it has an odd starfish thing on its head and it has eyeballs and it has very complex sort of tentacle like uh, filaments that are coming out of it. And it's frantically rushing around the machine. And this piping noise is coming from it as it's doing all of this. Um, do a stealth roll. <laughs> Do any sanity or just stealth for now? Yeah, you can do sanity too. <laughs> All right, that's a failure on the stealth. But pass the sanity. Oh, yeah, fail stealth, stealth has sanity. Pass stealth. Pass sanity. So did everybody pass their sanity? Okay. We're dealing with this really well. <laughs> if pass, well, if you passed your sanity, you do 1d4. Okay. Tell me what you got. Three. Three. One. 
Okay. So Andrew and George, you've got threes. <clears throat> the way I usually run it is a three on, on that kind of sanity. You don't suffer any kind of mental thing, but you do go, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Explains the way we failed the show for When you do that, the creature that's doing something suddenly stops and you're not even sure that it turns because it, it's got what looked like five eyes around the top of its head. It, yeah. And it starts waving these things at you and this voice comes out in clear Russian, which Andrew, you understand. It says, oh, hello. I am so glad you're here. I need your assistance. And all you guys hear is something in Russian. Oh, is that Russian? Okay. Yes. How can we help you, comrade? <laughs> You'll speak uh, my language? Because uh, he heard her say something. Uh, and he's got this, there's this sort of apparatus on its chest that starts fiddling with dials. And it says, can you understand me now? And it, it's now in English. Can you understand me? Is that good? Good, good, yes. good. Please come. We need to do this now. I'm not getting anywhere near that thing. <laughs> I'm gonna... George, how do, I, how do we get back well, off the surface, George? I'm right here, back to the surface. I, and I'm is there any, any skill <laughs> for telling the intentionality of creatures that aren't human? <laughs> <laughs> Well, anything? Um, yeah, well, do, uh, okay. Do an intelligence I, roll. I'll okay. have you do that. You can all do intelligence rolls. Yep. Okay, I made it. Okay. It seems to be distressed about whatever is going on with. Well, that makes sense. The apparatus. This seems to be some kind of machine. Um, the focus of which is this big gigantic cone structure above. Um, there are tubes and things going into it, and there are panels and lights flashing and things. Um, I mean, what do you do? I'm running so back for that. It obviously lift. speaks your language. Yeah, <laughs> I'm running back. Well, I'm, for that I'm, I'm, well I'm looking to Jerry and going to Jerry. Jerry, whatever we broke, it might be bad that it's broke. Maybe we should go talk to it. I think so. Yeah. I mean, you're within, I you're within okay. 15 feet of it. At this yeah. How can we help you? What can we do? Well, the machine, you have somehow activated the machine. I must, we must stop it or it's the end of the world. Oh, oh my God. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, what could we have done to activate it? <laughs> You 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 breached the sphere. Oh, what we just did, just did. Yeah. He says, "I." He says, uh, "He says, please, you know, uh, if we if we can repair this, then finally, finally, maybe you can take me out into the sunlight again." It's been okay. so long. Yeah, that's cold out there, but. Sunshine's all the time. Well, my name, my name is Dimitri. Dimitri. <laughs> Pleasure to meet you, Dimitri. I'm Andrew 
That's Jerry. This is George. You, Sophia, who's running away. She's very nice. <laughs> you, you suddenly realize that the voice that he's projecting at you does sound like Dimitri from up above. Um, oh, considering the fact that he's got, yeah, Dimitri Kokolov, communications officer. Um, that if he's got a box on his chest that allows him to speak English, it's because he's been listening to the radios and now he's mimicking Dimitri's voice. It's the only voice oh. that he's heard. And he speaks Russian because... Because he's been listening to Russian. Listening to Russian. I speak English, too. <laughs> good. It's good you speak English. <laughs> Dimitri, how can we fix this? I am, I am reading the instruction manual now. I've been here waiting. You know, there was once a great war. Um. Sophie, as you and George are heading back to the cable, you can hear all this. It's not, you know, it's echoing. Do you want to just keep going? Like, yeah. I'm going to, while I'm running, I'm going to be basically telling the surface what's happening and apparently there's some sort of machine. I don't, whatever that thing is, George, I can almost guarantee you it's lying. It's lying. It wants to get back up to the surface. We need to get out of here. We need to get out of here now. So, yeah, I'm going. Guys, we broke it. We should fix it. Have fun with that. You broke it. You bought it. God. George. As you're communicating with the people up above, um, it's you get the impression that something's going wrong. Maybe you don't know what um, the person on the phone is like, wait, hold on. There's something. Oh, what, what the fuck is that? And there's like, he's like, there's something up here. And uh, then you hear screams and everything goes dead. Okay. Can Sophie hear this as well? Well, if she's listening to the radio, yes. What do we do? I, I'm assuming they have to get us up. Like we can't get ourselves back up to the surface by the nature of whatever this thing is. All I've got is a pickaxe. What else do we, oh what God. else, what else did we bring? I heard nothing is going to get us up to the surface. Oh it's my a mile God. up, yeah. What? Uh, okay. Um, I think we got to get go back up back. to the surface. If the thing is, if that thing has a way to get back up to the surface. We can, whatever that thing, we can deal with it later, right? We need to get back up. We're going to die down here if no one's going to help us get back up there. Now, no one's responding because I'm like trying every couple of minutes. Like, yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna continue respond. yelling into the radio. Do, I, do, do we hear anything? Nothing. Anything else? Nothing? Um, I keep um, trying, saying to Sophie, like they would have said something by now. I, it it's it it's not it doesn't sound like somebody's not talking it sounds like it's dead like you're not even getting a static or click mm-hmm. well i mean the way i see it we have two options we wait and see if they fix whatever's going on up there and then have them haul us back up here which 
is viable, but how long are we going to withstand conditions like this? Or we go help that thing and hopefully get a ride back to the service because otherwise we're going to die here. Let's, yeah, let's go back to that thing. Okay. So you're, you're moving back towards the thing. Um, and it's, it's decided to explain mm-hmm. what's going on. Yeah, we're listening. Long ago, there was, there was a great war between my people mm-hmm. and the other things, the, the mineral stealers. Uh, they came to your world to steal minerals, and there were great wars between my people and your people. And the wars did not go very good. And uh, what you are now standing in is our ultimate weapon. Okay. It was designed so that if they attacked and they breached the sphere, that this mechanism would now activate. And once it activates, it will bore a hole down into the large lake that is underneath us, and it will vaporize it, causing the whole uh, end of the planet to be destroyed by a super volcano, which will black out the sun and darken the world for thousands of years, which they left me here. Do you understand? They've left me here. I've been here all alone for so many years i just want to leave but if we don't stop the machine we will all die and everybody else with us point at the machine that's the thing up above that's gonna do it yes this is the the catalyst uh it will it will bore its way into the earth here. But oh, I, I think I think that I can help you to help me turn okay. this thing off. It's actually quite simple once you understand it. Uh, you'll see our language and, and these little finger things. It's like he's got, looks like coral, mm-hmm. uh, but all of the little tips are he's able to do. And he says, you can, it, it is almost like it plays like music in order to uh, activate. And he moves over to the other side and he says, what you can do is you, you have five because we gave them to you so that you could help us do the machine. But now... Uh, all... If you stand there and you stand there, oh, the others are coming back. Good. We can use them as well. Hello. On over. What, need what, your fingers. Happened, what happened on the surface? You, Dimitri, what happened on the surface? What happened on the surface? What did I you do? Not, I have not been to the surface in millions of years. I so want to go and see the surface again. What? What do you mean something is nobody's on the nobody's surface? answering? Andrew, Jerry, no one's answering up there anymore. Something happened. Everybody yeah. Do, everybody do listen, boys. And whatever it was was probably this thing. No. Yep. Uh, not no. Normal success. No. 
No? No on everybody? No, normal success. No. Okay. Well, Andrew, there's there's a moment when, I mean, now you're hearing a number of things. You're hearing him pipe. Yeah. He, he's making these noises and this thing is translating it into English. Sure, sure. Um, the, the machine itself around you is kind of making a humming noise. Um, but you start to hear kind of a, a hissing noise, like uh, I like steam escaping from somewhere. Right. Um, and it seems to have been getting louder and louder as you're standing there. Um, Dimitri, the elder thing, um, he's like, you see, it's color coded. It's actually quite simple to understand. And all of a sudden, something behind him comes out of the dark and you see this blue spike come through his center oh, and this no. tentacle wrap around his head and rip it off and oh, shit. kind of bluish blood splatters everywhere and this gigantic crystalline thing rears <sighs> up behind what do you do? Okay, now you can do sanity rolls again. <laughs> Pass, yeah. Still made it. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm sure we still lost something. Huh? <laughs> this time, if you this time if you pass, you can you can do a one d six. Oh, and if you fail, one d ten. So one, I am getting away with murder over here. Oh shit, five. <laughs> Sophie, Sophie's oh, three. Well, I've seen everything. <laughs> oh, I didn't like that guy anyway. <laughs> Who lost five? This guy. <laughs> um, roll a one d eight for me. Oh. Actually, Three. roll intelligence for me. Okay. Oh, you're right. Yeah, because I might blow that. Nope, I made it. Okay. Yeah. Don't roll one d eight then. Okay, I got a three on the D8. Okay, uh, roll a 1D4. One. Okay, oddly enough, you, uh, you got hysterical laughing. So you just, <laughs> you're just, you're falling back it's, and you're just like- You're just, oh, they're just like, that's the, universe the best. Is, Look at that. Yeah, the, the universe is insane. That's so, just awesome. I can't believe how hilarious this is. Did this anybody is else lose more than five? <laughs> no. Nope. Okay. So you guys are terrified. Andrew's lost his mind. Um, four. Seven rounds. Holy shit. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> sure. All right. What do the three of you do? Start do playing with the colored keys. Okay. Um, I mean, this creature is pretty clear. I mean, he's right there. Oh. Uh, is it moving toward us or anything? Well, it, it did what it did, and now it's sort of it's, it's hesitating. But you can see that it sort of flows like water. Um, and it's... Need to it, shock it. It might be trying to analyze what it is that it wants to do next. How do we shock it? Do we have it? Do we bring anything to shock it? We got a radio. There are a lot of wires and uh, a 
Okay. Yeah, we can manage. We could MacGyver something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, oh, there's an idea. idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna MacGyver the radio. <laughs> uh, I got a hard pass. Ah. Oh, good. So you actually grab a large cable that you see going into a machine and you jam it into the thing and the thing, just as it's about to sort of pounce on you, freezes in place. Becomes solid. Um, <laughs> all right. You said you wanted to try and figure the machine out. Oh, yeah. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I'm going to try to shake Andrew out of it while they're doing that. Oh, this is so, this is the best. This is like Borscht Belt comedy here, man. Like Three Stooges. This is awesome. <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm going to help Jerry. <laughs> what next? What next? Come on. <laughs> Okay, where is it? Um, uh, all right, I would like whoever's working on it to roll um, intelligence rolls. Oh, very good. I'm better at that. Just passed. Okay, and you can yeah. spend luck, remember. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, Okay, so uh, 40, okay, I'll seven. spend 12 to make it a hard pass. Okay, how about I you change mine to hard pass too? Okay, excellent. Um, you start doing what he was doing, where your fingers go into the little holes, and the colors on the panel start to change. Um, you get the impression that you need to sync up the colors so that it's, it all sort of, it's like putting together a puzzle. Mm. Um, but for a moment, you begin to realize you really need at least two other hands. <laughs> Andrew, um, well, Sophie, I'm, you're helping I'm yelling Andrew. out. Yeah, I'm trying to like shake him out of it. Right. I'm yelling out the Sophie. Simon we need, says. We need a help. Fine, fine. I'm like slap Andrew across the oh. face and then go run. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that was a good slap. I like it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They would have done in a movie. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, hey, that feels good. So <laughs> Sophie, you join them and they explain to you what they're trying to do. Um, I would like you to all roll an intelligence roll again. No, that's a fail. I'll spin the luck to make it a pass though. Oh, geez. Uh, I've got a pass. Okay. I'm going to watch and laugh, whatever they're doing. <laughs> yeah, but just regular pass. Yeah, me too. Hit the buttons, hit How about the you, Gary? <laughs> uh, I spent luck to pass. Okay. Um, you start to get it. You start to get the, the sequence so that it goes. But you, it's like he said, you've got to kind of almost play it like a piano. Um, do, 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 do. Uh, meanwhile, Andrew is is quietly laughing to himself, completely oblivious. And the oh, thing, um, oh, no. you can almost feel that it's beginning to vibrate as it's attempting to break loose of the 
electrical cable that's in it, but it can't move. So um, once again, one more intelligence roll. That's a hard success. Excellent. Hard success. Excellent. Failure. You want? Do you have any enough luck to? No, that was a ninety-nine. <laughs> oh boy! Oh, oh yeah! Oh. oh, look at that! Yeah. So <laughs> perfect. <laughs> so Jerry, it be any better? It's it's like playing Simon, and Jerry just hit the wrong sequence, and the whole thing sort of went meh meh meh. And then the lights are going all over the place. You would have to start from the beginning again. Oh, no. Um, and as you are standing there and, and that realization comes over you, this gigantic cone thing that's above you, suddenly lights appear on it. They're going up the sides. Oh. It seems to be starting to activate. <sighs> Roll your intelligence rolls. I'll spend the luck. Oh, failed. Extreme success. I'm spending luck. Make it a regular success. Andrew, you're slowly coming out of it and realizing what the fuck is going wrong. <laughs> playing Simon, Andrew. We're playing Simon. Okay. Uh, okay, what are they doing? I'll try to figure out what they're doing here. Okay, we'll wait for you just a second. George, how'd you do? Fail or succeed? I failed. Okay. Failed. And you don't have enough luck? I mean... It's the world! We gotta save the world! Yeah. Okay, I'll use... <laughs> Is there a limit on how many, uh, how much luck I can use? You can use no. all of it if you want. Burn it all! I'm gonna use it all for a hard success. Okay. At so, least I was useful for this. You've yes. completed sequence one. Uh, now uh, you have to do sequence two again. Uh, but Andrew can join you. Yes, I'm going to help. Okay, here we go. All right. So what I'll do is, out of the four of you, I need two successes. Oh, I shouldn't tell you that because where's the fun of that? You all just lie to me and tell me. Oh, you're you're a one. one. Critical success. <laughs> what? So regular intel? That's really good. Yeah. Uh, intelligence. Regular success. Zero seven. What is that? Just passed. You Great success. Passed. Okay. And you've got a zero one. Zero so seven. Yeah. As you're doing this, um, everything seems to light up and it goes brruh, 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 like this. And all the lights on the cone go off. And all of the, the lights stop blinking and they go back to sort of a soft glow. And what do you do now? Everything suddenly becomes quiet, uh, except for the vibration of that crystal thing that's trying to. I'm saying we need to. Yes, now we, we need, need to, to go. Out of here we need to go now. And blow the hole. Yes. No. <laughs> what you said. George, you're the engineer. Figure it out. <laughs> I am running. I am running towards uh, to get out. All right. So the four of you get over to where the, the rig is to go up. And um, 
you 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 managed to get somebody on the the radio. Uh, we were attacked. Something attacked the camp. Something destroyed the labs. Something. Oh shoot! Something big and blue and yeah, uh, rock like. Uh, and then it went down one of the holes. It's down here. Get us out. <laughs> no, nope, it might have gone down the other one. <laughs> we're we're going to blow them all up. Yeah. Get us out of here. <laughs> yeah, just get us out of here. All right. So let's just say that you are, you are pulled out of the, it takes an hour to get out of the hole. Oh. <laughs> um, in the meantime, on your instructions, they've, uh, demolished the other hole and as soon as you're out they demolish this hole and uh, the whole thing gets sealed up um, it's the camp is a mess uh, it's obviously been destroyed by that thing and uh, and some of you survive and some of you didn't survive well some of them didn't survive but for the most part you are survivors and you, uh, you're not sure you can go back to your life. All of the samples of the stuff you had are gone. Yeah. Um, and sometime in the next year, you are approached by agents of Delta Green. Boy. <laughs> because you know things that they want to use you for. And that's the end of our story. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That was fun. So an explanation, <laughs> a bit of an explanation. Yes, yes. Um, there was a great war between the Elder Things and the Mego. Yeah, I figured when you said Mego, uh, guys. Yeah. And the Mego, um, in their war, they created, I mean, the, the Elder Things had Shoggoths. So the Mego created something that would be like a Shoggoth, but made out of minerals and metal, uh, a mechanism. Uh, the thing had to have a directional brain. So the main part of it in the ice still had the brain. Your part didn't. So you applied electricity to it and it, it did things, but it really wasn't coordinated. Um, as time went on uh, in, your, in, your, in your game, the thing in the ice was melting because it was now exposed to the outside air. Right. It had been originally designed to kill elder things. So they would send it as a weapon, a kind of metal, metallic oh. weapon. And it was partly damaged, partly frozen, maybe by an electrical discharge of lightning or something. But it ended up stuck on the ice directly above that other weapon, which is what the elder things had created they figured if they made the earth uninhabitable for a thousand years, the Mego would leave and the elder things could always rebuild because yeah. they, they pretty much done it in the first place. Um, and then they left poor Dimitri yeah. to mind the machine. Oh. Um, and then the war ended and the millions of years went by and poor Dimitri had gone totally bonkers i mean he was bonkers from loneliness all he wanted to do was see the sunlight again um <laughs> poor guy but yeah he's actually quite gentle intelligent insane 
Yeah. Uh, and uh, kind of a fun character. Oh, yeah. He's hilarious. And, uh, and that, that's it. Excellent. <laughs> Our players included Holly Buto, Troy Lehman, Gary Lang, and Scott Shampoo, with yours truly as the keeper of the secret. Our, uh, we're currently producing up to four shows a week with music and sound effects added in post-production in order to create a richer listener experience. We provide audio-only versions of our shows, free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. The costs involved with the show are provided almost entirely by our patrons. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. If you'd like to help support our show, please visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps us a lot. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch the bell icon for updates on our latest shows. Leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answer any questions you might have. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of HP Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role playing game. Until next time, good luck, good gaming.